Ready for some word? Let's get after it today. Uh, if you would, if you have a Bible with you today, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Psalms and the 34th chapter. Psalm 34. I began a new series last week that I want to continue today and into weeks to come. Uh, and this, this new series is called The Real God. All right. We all have opinions that may or may not come from him. I say opinions, of course, but specifically opinions of him. Opinions of God that may or may not be accurate. They, they, if they're not accurate, they can serve as a hindrance to our fellowship with him. And so the best we can, to the best of our you know, ability, we seek to to believe things that are correct, to believe things that are true. We're never gonna just throw in the towel and say, well, you know, there's so many people with so many different beliefs. Who knows what will, what's ever correct? Yeah. See, that, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to say because so many people have different opinions that there isn't anything that's actually correct, right? That there isn't something that's true, right? right? I mean, if you have a complex uh, math formula, uh, equation. I mean, no, you can have a lot of rant, wrong answers yeah. and one right answer. Come on. So yeah. what do you do if you're interested in being proficient in that field? You're going to work and, 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 and discover the right answer. Yeah. You're not going to say, well, there's so many wrong answers. Who knows? What? <laughs> I don't even know. No, well, well let's find the right answer. Right? When it comes to the Lord, yeah, people have different opinions about God and what he, what he says and does, and, and, and they're not all correct. But that doesn't mean I'm going to give up in seeking the, the one God, the true God. Yeah? Amen. I want to find the real God, and I want to know what he says about himself, because if I find what's true, again, I can have rich, continuous fellowship with him. Really, our understanding of God impacts so many various areas of our lives. Now, uh, whatever I believe about you, whatever you believe about me or other people in your life, how I many know that impacts how you relate to them? Yes. Right? Uh, if, if you, for example, believe that someone is, uh, you know, a lying, manipulating, self-centered individual, <laughs> well, you might want to avoid them. <laughs> I mean, you would probably not be real motivated to spend a lot of time with, if you believe that. Now, your belief about them determines how you're going to act, not whether that's true or not. Because yes. you could be wrong about them, but it's still going to affect that relationship. Yeah. yeah. You think that's true with the Lord? Yeah. yeah. We could be wrong about him. He could be one way, but we think he's the other way because we've been told or it's been modeled or, you know, religion taught us or something. We think he's something else. And because of that, we're keeping our distance or we're you know, we're relating to them along those lines. But what if it's not true? What, 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 what if you had a person in your life that you believed what some other people had said and you misinterpreted some circumstances and so you kept that at arm's length or completely out of your life for many years and then later on you found out, you know, that wasn't even true. They never said that. They never did that. They weren't that kind of person. I mean, you would think, wow, that was stupid. Yeah. I mean, I missed a real good opportunity to have a, have a good friend. But I believe something that, uh, that wasn't even correct about them. Right? So I want to get it right about God. You know, if, if I think 
you're a kind, generous, you know, selfless person, that's going to impact how I relate to you. I mean, I might want to be around you more, right? And, and likewise, these things are the case when we're talking about the Lord as well. And so God is who he is. Uh, what I believe about him, what I think about him doesn't change who he is. He just is. He's not insecure either. So he just is, you know, I mean, we have to be that way sometimes. Well, do you know what so-and-so thinks about you? Uh, do you know what you hear what this person said? Yeah, nothing really I can really do about that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just going to, I just choose not to care because I'm just going to be who I'm going to be. And if yeah. they think it's different, well, then they do. Right. <laughs> right? Okay, well, God is who he is. But our goal is to have an unobstructed view, right? An unbiased perspective and an uncontaminated taste. All right. Psalm 34. If you found that, let's read beginning in verse one. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked at, uh, to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This Poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And so a big part of us discovering and being real clear about the real God is this. All right. I need to know. You need to know that he is good. He's been called lots of things. He's been blamed for lots of stuff. But he truly, if you know the real God, he is good. And so my goal is to demonstrate that, that reality. I want to remove all doubt um, to the point of impact, to the point where, where we can walk with him without fear of evil. Where, where, where we can have absolute confidence in his willingness to do good things in our lives. I mean, no, it's one thing to believe he can. It's another thing to believe he will. Yeah. Right. And, and our understanding of God's goodness will really impact that. Now, God is one thing we can say about him is that he is not deceitful. All right. He is absolutely full of truth. There's no uh, deceit in any way. M many scriptures declare this. And if you believed he was deceitful, I mean, that kind of blows up the whole relationship. <laughs> Likewise, it does with human relationships, right? If, if someone is truly a liar, you cannot trust them. And you should not trust them, right? You should not trust people who demonstrate that they say things that are false, Right? So, so we don't want to be that person. We don't want to put our trust. If God is that way, there's no chance we're going to have a relationship with him. Yeah. Not a chance because he could be lying to us all day long. How would we even know? I mean, uh, and, and that's the opposite of who he is. Satan is a liar. Remember Jesus said in uh, John chapter 8 that he's the father of lies. Yeah. So Satan's a liar. God is truth. Uh, look at these verses uh, up on the screen with me. Uh, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. 
Has he said and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not make it good? 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13 reads, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for God cannot deny himself. Again, no matter what he's accused of, no matter what he's called, he is who he is and he will always be true to that. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from the beginning and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. How much darkness is in God? Zero. El Zippo. Nano. <laughs> Nada. <laughs> No darkness. God is full of light, all right? There's no trickery on his part. I remember, I remember years ago, I found uh, in a store somewhere these little candies. That they were these yellow hard candies, and, uh, but in the middle they had garlic. <laughs> but they didn't look, they didn't look uh, you couldn't tell that from the outside. So I got those. They were wrapped just nice and just like the other ones, just like the regular candies. And so there was a dish of them in this office of the regular candies. So I put that one in there. <laughs> and then when a friend uh, came in, I said, you know, we're just talking. I said, hey, you want a candy? And I had that one, you know, right at the top. And it goes, he's like, oh, okay, sure. And he grabbed it and grabbed just the right one. <laughs> Held it for a bit, and then we're just shooting the breeze, no pressure. I'm just watching. He opens it up, puts it in. He's happy for a minute. Then <laughs> after he, you know, sucked it down a little bit, then the garlic shows up. <laughs> he was like, oh. It was great. <laughs> the whole place was filled with his breath. His garlic breath, <laughs> and it was funny. All right, so we might like to trick people and prank people sometimes. Good news, <laughs> God won't do that to you. <laughs> like I had this one friend, he would, if, you had, if you had people over at his house, you know how sometimes people go in the front door and they take off their shoes and they leave them at the front door? And this was one of those houses, uh, a shoeless house. And, uh, and so he would go and find certain people, take their shoes and put them in the freezer. <laughs> and then when everyone get ready to leave, he put them back out there. <laughs> All right. Maybe you've done some pranking in your life. I didn't do that one. That was not, I would never do that. To some. Good news about God. He doesn't do that. <laughs> He's not doing that to us. Just why? Why? Because there's no trickery in him at all. There's no deceit. There's no darkness whatsoever. And uh, we, can, we can be rest assured in this. That with him, he's not like all smiles until you sign up. You know, he's not like the ultimate salesman. Tell you everything's wonderful and glorious. It's going to be so amazing. Then you sign your name on the line, put your money down, and then you read the fine print. He is not. He is happy. He loves you drawing you in. And he loves you after you're in. He is good to you, you know, 
this, I find this interesting. Sometimes when people are not saved or they first get saved, that it's so often to get them healed of a physical condition is the easiest thing in the world. It's like quick, quick manifestation, quickly. All the pain's gone quickly. Cancer leaves quickly. These things just go away from them. And then later, uh, after someone's saved a while, they struggle more to, to get the same thing they got before they hardly knew anything. Yeah. And I think, what's, what's going on there? Do we have an interpretation or a belief about God that now that I'm saved, it's hard? Have we misinterpreted the promise, the relationship, and now we think it's difficult, and thus it becomes difficult for us? He's the same. That's, what, that's my point. He's the same as you're signing on the line, as you're going under the water, as he, years, as he is 50 years into the relationship. He loves us the same. You know how, what I'm talking about sometimes? If someone came in here today, maybe someone is in here, here today like this, and you're not, you don't have a relationship with God, you've never been saved, and you may be addicted to various substances, you may be uh, somewhat you know, influenced right now. You know what, how everyone's gonna treat you? They're gonna say, oh, you know, we love you. Uh, God loves you. Uh, he wants to help you. You know, he wants to set you free. No matter how many dumb things you've done in your life, come on in. Well, what sometimes happens is, okay, that person gets saved, and then next week, as a child of God, and they come in with alcohol on their breath, and someone goes, oh, well, that's not okay. You're a Christian now. In other words, what I'm saying is sometimes less merciful, less gracious after the fact. Well, you're saved. You should know better now. Well, I've met real Christians who still have real problems. You know, God loves them the same as he did like before they got saved. And still wants to help them if they have issues. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't change. And we shouldn't change in that regard. All right. And so, uh, again, God's not, he doesn't change like that. It's kind of like the, the stereotypical spouse that, or, or the, the spouse of the spouse that, <laughs> that says, my husband, my wife, they were amazing until we got married. <laughs> they turned into a different person. Well, maybe they did. I don't know. But I tell you, God won't do that to you. <laughs> he doesn't turn into a different person. Now, when we talk about the real God, that, you know, brings the question, are there fake gods? <laughs> are there fake gods? Is, is, is there a fake Jesus? Is, is there someone else besides the Lord? Well, let me set from a, from a, a, a God-level position or or entity, if you will, the answer would be no. Let, let, me, let, me, let me give you this. Uh, Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel. Put this up. Yeah, it's not that one. Uh, maybe I didn't give it to you. Take that one away so they don't see it yet. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last Beside me, there is no God. Okay, so this is God's voice. This is God's word. And he says, by the way, there's no one else up here. <laughs> Besides me, there is no big G-O-D God. All right. So if God doesn't know of any other gods, 
There aren't any. Because he knows everything. And so uh, it's an absolute truth that there are no other gods, no matter what. Now, some of you may have come from a local religion that said that there are. That said you can become one and that kind of stuff. It's just not true. It's 100% fake news. Okay? It's, it's not true. However, there, there are no other gods, but there are fakes. There are phonies. There are evil spirits that masquerade as God. Okay? Uh, God is referred to numerous times, I'll give you some examples, as the true God. Why even use the language, the true God, unless there are fakes that you want to distinguish him from? Okay. And so listen to these. I believe you can see these now. Second uh, Chronicles 15, 3. Uh, For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without law. When without the true God. Why, why, why use the word true there? First Thessalonians 1 and verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So they turned to God, we could say, from fake gods, these idols. All right, 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given uh, us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So this isn't fake God. This is the true God. All right. And then one more. John 17 and verse 3 from the Amplified. And this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, recognize, become acquainted with and understand you, the only true and real God. And likewise, to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. So God is called only and true. All right. So anything else that, you know, portrays itself to be God would be untrue, would be false, would be fake. Uh, and, you know, we live in uh, a time when there's lots of fake everything, right? There's fake stuff. Some of it's okay. I mean, I don't mean that's all bad. I mean, if you lost a limb and you have a fake leg, that's better than not having a leg, right? There's lots of things that the, I don't know, the replication of it can help us and so forth. Uh, but there's, you know, like some things that are put into our foods probably aren't real helpful. You know, the fake food that's in the real food, not real healthy for you. There's some things, there's obviously fake news has become prominent <laughs> in the last number of years, just false stories and, and you know, hot, heavy bias, biases to the point where it's not even accurate and true. Uh, uh, when it comes to the Lord, though, sometimes people in our, in our day, they dismiss the idea that some people are serving fake gods. And I don't know, maybe it's a desire to be all-inclusive, and I want everyone to feel accepted and loved, and I don't want to criticize you in any way, so 
people come up with statements like, you know, everyone's really serving the same God. You know, all religions lead to the same God. Okay, well, what if that's not correct, though? Again, just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true. Just because they intend to be nice or something still doesn't make it true. Okay, it's kind of like the, the, you know, the calculus problem. Or the, it, it's, it, it's either right or it's not, you know. And if someone said, well, they all, everything people do, it leads to, it all leads to God uh, or it leads to a fake God. What if that's the case? What if my system of beliefs, my religious structure leads to something that's not real, something that's phony, something that's fake, or something that's untrue? Just like there are, uh, are fake gods, there are also false narratives about the true God. And that's something a lot of us have to wrestle with. All right, okay, I, I'm pretty sure I got the real God here. <laughs> I know I'm serving the one true, the only God, but is there anything I believe about him that's really not correct? Have I accepted a false narrative about the one true God? And much of that, I think, again, it, 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 it lives in the world of blaming him for things he didn't do. This is one of the most prominent lies about the one true God is that he gets accused of, blamed for bad things that happen in our lives. And usually because someone wants to embrace that he's good, yet he also did that or, or permitted it. And so they wrestle theologically to come up with, with answers that in short say, you're never gonna understand it or, 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 un, or, or really be able to wrap your mind around it until you're in heaven and then you can see the big picture. Okay, I think that is uh, not being honest with, with, with Scripture and with God's character. Yeah. To just say, well, you know, I know it felt bad, but really it was good. I think bad is bad. And it's not difficult to discern that. Okay, and he... And I'll go through, this, through a lot of this as, as, we go, as we go forward. But I don't want to be on the side where I'm blaming him for the pain, uh, for the, this, the suffering experiences here on earth. Uh, what, could, would you turn with me uh, to one more place today? Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Man, it seems like this is going fast. I don't know about you. Your silence says no. All right. <laughs> Going faster for the preacher than the listener. <laughs> Second Peter, <laughs> chapter 1. Notice with me in verse 2. 2 Peter 1, 2, 4. One through, 2 through 4. All right. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which, uh, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world 
through lust. Okay, so I want you to notice the method at which we arrive at things like this. Multiplied grace and peace. And if we were to extrapolate and expound on those words, we would all sign up. Give me more. Would you like a refill? Yes. More grace, more peace. Um, so grace and peace, uh, verse 3, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that is involved in a godly, we could say awesome, amazing life. All right. And uh, the divine nature and escaping corruption. Now, corruption is all those things you hate. Everything that we don't like, everything that God gets often blamed for, it would be under the banner of a corrupted world. It's the reason why all these things take place that we don't want. But all these elements, these desirable, godly, amazing gifts and blessings, they are tied to, you probably already saw it, they are connected to information. They're connected to knowledge. Okay, and we could say correct knowledge, not believing a lie, but believing truth. It's precise information. All these things happening in our lives are tied to what we know. So if I don't believe correctly, my experience will be off. If I don't see God in, in the way that he truly is, I will not be able to experience him in the way that he truly is. It's tied to, say, well, God's God and he does what he wants. He speaks. He communicates. He reveals. And when we accept and we see it and we believe it, then who he is becomes our experience. All right? It's all tied to the knowledge of him. The, the, the word knowledge here, the Greek word is epinosis, and it, it, it speaks of uh, you've heard the word gnosis before. At least I've taught on that before. Gnosis is knowledge, experiential knowledge. Epi is upon. So epinosis is upon knowledge. It's like uh, accurate, precise, full uh, knowledge. It's basically having a deep understanding of God and his promises. See, by these exceeding great and precious promises. Well, what if I really want God's best? I really want to walk with him. I really want to know him. But I don't know what he's promised. Well, then I'm going to come up short. Yeah. Say, won't God do what he promised? Whether I know it or not, I won't be able to be on the receiving end of his promise. His giving end is faithful. My receiving end is tied upon my knowledge of what he promised. I won't even reach out to get something if I don't believe it's available. If I don't think he will or he can. But my knowledge of his promises is tied to his character it's tied to knowing God, the one real true God, and that determines my experience. All right? And so knowing God accurately, accurately determines our level of grace and peace and every other promise. So I'm thinking this is pretty important. Lord, I need to see you clearly. I'm asking the question, in what way do I think about you? And I'm just wrong about it. I'm mentally accusing you. I'm in my heart keeping you at a distance in some way because I think that you're going to do something that I don't like. Like there was a king in the Old Testament who, who complained one day about 
uh, the prophet, I forget if it was Elisha maybe, the prophet, he said, I don't want to, I don't really want him to come here because he always prophesies bad things about me. It's like, don't get me a word, keep him away. Well, the king was evil. That's why he was getting wrong words. It's like the Lord saying, knock it off, you know. Uh, (laughs) But our belief about God and what he might say, what he might do, totally is going to determine how close we're going to be. Like the previous illustration, if I believe someone wants to harm me in some way, I'm going to at best get this close, you know, and, and probably I'll stay further away than that. But if I believe the opposite, I want to pull in close and I want to talk. I want to be with you. And so our view of God is, is, is very, very important when considering these things. Now, now, let me say something strong, okay? I don't want to beat around the bush. If knowing God accurately determines my experience, if I judge my knowledge of God by my experience, I have to question my level of revelation. All right, now I didn't say it strong yet. I'm just trying to soften the blow. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Got sickness, got anxiety, got, you know, lack of provision in your life, you don't know God. At least not in that area. Hallelujah. (laughs) First Peter 1, 4 from the New Living reads this way. And because of his glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Okay, and so so God's will then is that we escape the world's corruption. The corruption is the cause of the suffering. He doesn't want us to to experience or endure that. He wants us to be free from it. So the connection then is divine nature. Now, how many know every true believer has the divine nature of God inwardly? Right. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Right, And so we have partaken of the divine nature at the point of salvation. Our knowledge of God and of his promises enables us to experience that. It's already in us, but the more we experience that, the more we get to escape corruption. The more I know what I have and who he is to me, I escape the corruption that's in the world. The corruption that's in the world is your biggest nightmare. It's the worst case scenario. But the Lord has made a way of escape. By the way, this is another voice that reaffirms the fact that God is good. See, well, look at the world and look at his promise. And anyone who will take it, anyone who will accept it, anyone who will believe it, who will receive it, gets to escape. And they have, to a, to a measure anyway, heaven while still on earth. You can have an amazing life even in a corrupt world because I escape that and I escape that. Right? I mean, how many have, you could go back, we could have stories and it'd be kind of depressing. 
have lots of stories of things in your life you didn't escape. Corruption that you didn't escape until. And then you came to know the Lord. And as your knowledge of God increased, as your walk with the Lord increased and got stronger and stronger, now you can point to so many things. Avoided that, <laughs> skipped that one. You know, 10 years ago, I'd have fell for that in a second. I'd have been totally wrapped up in that. And that would have messed me up. But I skipped that one. I avoided this and I avoided this problem. See, the world we live in is suffering. I, let me say it this way. Not that just the world. We think of the, you know, the cosmos, but like the planet. The planet itself is a suffering planet. It, it, is, it is corrupted. Romans chapter 8 ex, explains, uh, explains this principle, how the, the creation itself is groaning. All right? Volcanoes destroying, earthquakes wiping people out, tornadoes ripping houses off the foundation, all this stuff. None of that is God's desire. None of that is God's will. None of that is a result of who he is. That's all the corruption that's in the world through lust. That's what enables, empowers, and strengthens this world to be so chaotic like it is. So the world is under corruption, and it's waiting. I say the world, the earth, that's probably the planet, is, is waiting. Romans 8 tells us, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. There's a day coming when the earth, this, uh, it's Romans 8, 21. Uh, it, the earth, the creation itself will be delivered from bondage of corruption. Okay, that's talking about a future day when there's going to be a new heavens and new earth. So earth and the heavens, not heaven, but heavens around the earth, the atmospheric heavens and so forth. All the stuff that's been polluted and corrupted and made a mess. All right. People think you're going to throw away your gas stove and, and, and fix the planet. Okay. You know, the climate hoaxers. All right. Not going to happen. But one day... All this is going to be made new. All this, all this corruption is going to be wiped away. And the earth, in, a, in whatever that looks like, is going to go, hallelujah. <laughs> the earth is, is itself going to be liberated from corruption and bondage. And this is what he's saying. In the same way that the earth quakes and shakes and groans and moans and it's got issues and problems and ugh. In the same way that it does that. We, through the precious promises of God, get to escape the corruption that's still here. Yeah. This is God's desire. Yeah. This is his will for you and me. Amen. Yeah. This, this is the true God that I want to know, yeah. that I want to draw close to, that I want to experience firsthand, because he only wants good things for, for our lives. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it out loud with me. Say, Father, show me who you are. I want to see you accurately, precisely. I want to know you according to truth. No longer believing anything that is untrue about you.